Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. Today is going to be an amazing episode. We have a returning guest, and this guy is the man. He probably needs no introduction. This episode is brought to you by e-commerce influence. If you enjoy my podcast, you've got to check out e-commerce influence hosted by my friend, Austin Brauner. Austin interviews world-class e-commerce operators like native deodorant founder Moise Ali, Movement Watches CEO Jake Kassan, and Pura Vita Bracelets founder Griffin Thal. He deep dives into what's working right now to scale your business, and he offers a refreshing break from the crush-it culture plaguing our industry. The e-commerce influence podcast will not only change your perspective on building your business, It'll change your perspective on what's possible for your life. I've known Austin for years. He's the real deal. And he's someone you need to listen to if you're serious about growing your business. Check out the e-commerce influence podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. Matt Clark is joining me and he is the CEO of amazing.com creator of Amazing Selling Machines. And he's also the co-owner of Life Boost Coffee. And so this is going to be a merchant story. We're going to kind of dig in, see behind the scenes of how Matt and his business partner, Charles, have scaled Life Boost Coffee. It's an amazing story. It's an amazing product. And they do some really, really cool things. And so we're going to dive into that. Uh, but with that intro, Matt, welcome to the show, man. And, and thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, what's up, Brett? Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Excited to be here. Yeah, and this is yeah, this is uh, this is a uh, uh, round two on the the podcast. And the first time you were on, we kind of we kind of went uh, we kind of went meta or something. Like we were talking about making making better decisions, and it was those are really fun podcast. Uh, today we'll do maybe a little bit of that, but also going to get pretty tactical and and practical as well, which will be really fun. Also, so um, do you want to kind of share maybe just kind of the brief origin story of, of life boost? Like how did it come to be? How did you and Charles, uh, you know, start working together where you like workout buddies, you're both, you're both very buff and very fit. <laughs> so how did that all come to be? Yeah. So, um, yeah, Charles started life boost, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of like a side project. I think back in like 2015, this is before he and I started working together, uh, maybe 2016 or so. And, um, you know, I didn't even know we had it going on. And so he and I met because, you know, we were doing our big events for amazing and amazing selling machine. And I saw him, somebody told me he was sitting in the audience and I was familiar with him because he used to have like the number one product, him and his business partners uh, on ClickBank yeah. and uh, called Fat Loss Factor. When I was first getting started in like internet marketing stuff, I was like trying, I was trying so many different businesses, trying to get something to work. And I tried a few like info products, like a muscle building one, a weight loss one. And basically I was just ripping his stuff off, not the content, but <laughs> yeah. the whole marketing. Like, like his, his style, his approach type of thing. Yeah, I was like, okay, long form sales letter, cool videos. I was like, all this kind of stuff. So that's how I was kind of familiar with who he was. Um, and then, yeah, long story short, kind of went and did a whole thing with amazing and e-commerce and everything like that and kind of found my path there. But then, yeah, he was looking for another business to do. And so he bought our course and was kind of in the audience. And then he and I hit it off a lot of, kind of similar interests. And then, so kind of did some work with them off and on for, for a while. And then uh, I think it was 2000, I guess it had to have been like 2018 ish. Uh, I started having some more time cause we had grown amazing so much. And I was like, okay, cause I went from doing only e-commerce to teaching e-commerce to being like, I've been teaching e-commerce so long. Can I still actually do it myself? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so then um, I was like looking for something to do in that space. And cause I finally had some free time again and I, you know, started getting really into healthy coffee and then was reading all of Dave Asprey's stuff and uh, yeah, going to all the coffee, best coffee shops. Yeah. And so, uh, and then I found out he had this business there that was kind of uh, selling the same exact kind of product. And I was like, okay, this could be cool. And so I was looking at his numbers because he wasn't really doing much with it because he was just busy on doing other things. And then I found out though, people just kept rebuying and rebuying and rebuying and rebuying. And so I was like, okay, there's something really to this product. I it's love the not, product. It's kind of a great product. Yeah, for sure. It's amazing coffee. But, you know, when we first started working together in the beginning of 2019, it was only doing like 16, 17 grand a month at that point. So yeah, that's yeah. that's how we got started. Which is amazing. And, and so to, to get kind of the, the intermediate story, I did interview Charles Livingston. He was on the podcast for episode 98. So I'll link to that in the show notes, but go back and listen to 
to that from Charles' perspective, and he shared some great insights. But what's crazy is even since that episode, you guys have scaled even more, just, just amazing growth. And if anybody's watching the video and can see, you got the Inc. 500 plaque behind you, and you guys are you know rising in the ranks there on the Inc. 500 list, which is awesome. But now, uh, let me make sure I have this right. Um, you guys are doing like $2 million a month in, in revenue now. So from 17000 a month to $2 million a month in just a few years, that's pretty insane. Yeah, I think uh, I think after about the first year, so we started 2019, beginning of 2019, started scaling it. By the end of that year, we were doing about a million a month. Um, and then, you know, we're right here at the beginning of 2021, but basically another year later, so two years total, uh, yeah, we've gotten to about two million a month right now. Yeah, that, that's insane. And and so I want to I wanted to look at this from a few different perspectives, right? We're going to talk about keys to scale from a marketing perspective and kind of the way you guys approach your marketing efforts and, and how you scale those. I also want to talk about product because you guys have done a good job of, you know, adding to your product line and getting people to buy more. And of course it is a consumable. So that's nice to get people an automatic reorder and it's an awesome product, but you've also had some kind of mistakes along the way with, with uh, products that you've, you've shared with me. So I want to dive into those. Uh, but before we do that, you mentioned something before we hit record that I thought was really interesting. And I think this is a great place to start the conversation you talked about how you believe one of the keys that, that to your success that you and Charles have had is your ability to forecast and your ability to kind of look at the business, create this forecast and set these expectations for what you thought you could do, and then compare and measure along the way of what you were actually doing. And then, you know, being able to know, hey, should we do more of this, less of this, and, and that type of thing. So you want to kind of explain that a little bit and what that process looks like? Yeah, so I actually got this from um, a coach of mine and, you know, he, you know, his kind of story is he took a company public in his late 20s and kind of went on a whole self-development journey after there. Uh, but he ended up teaching me a model on the finance side that's worked amazingly. It's uh, basically just like a 12-month rolling forecast. And so you have a few targets for the year. It's like, okay, we think we want to do 20 million in revenue, 10 million in gross profit, 2 million in net profit, for example. So like a high-level forecast for the year. And then you kind of break it up by month. And so like for the month, we could say, okay, January, we think we're going to do this, February, March, and so forth for the rest of the year. And then when January comes, okay, you're doing your thing, you're growing your business, you're producing sales. And then by the time February is there, you compare that to, okay, what do we think we're going to do in January versus what do we actually do? So then you're able to sort of reality check yourself and see how far you're off. And when you first start doing this, you're going to be pretty far off most yeah. likely, unless you've already got all your numbers kind of dialed in. And then you kind of do the same process again for the rest of the year. Update those numbers. Another month comes comparing to what you thought you were going to do. To me, this system is like a, it's like a perfect complement to somebody who's very marketing focused, which is, which is me and maybe a lot of people that are, that are listening to this. You love doing the marketing stuff. You love figuring it out, selling stuff online. Um, but if you don't sit there and you know try to forecast what you think is going to happen versus what actually happens... And I feel like it's real easy to start like lying to yourself and deluding yourself, which kind of ties back to the more decision-making podcast we did. But I think it's a great compliment to direct marketing. And so rather than just like doing a bunch of stuff and being like, well, maybe these numbers are kind of good or I kind of think they're okay. It's yeah. like, before you even start, you have an expectation of what good is going to look like. Write that stuff down. Even if you only do it for one month, like write what you think is going to happen do all the stuff you're going to do and then compare what actually happened to what you thought was going to happen. You're going to get a lot smarter, a lot better at forecasting. It allows you to plan expenses and cost of goods sold and all that kind of stuff. Cause maybe you produce good sales, but maybe your gross profit was way lower than what you thought it was going to be. And it could be nothing sales related. Maybe you uh, spent too much on ads. Maybe your supplier overbilled you. Uh, but if you don't have that kind of forecast in place, I find it's real easy to, not be able to sort that stuff out when you're just kind of like in the weeds. And we've done it with, you know, amazing also. At one point we were paying affiliates, you know, 50% commission. And we're like, okay, if we keep paying them this amount for the whole year, it's going to cost us however many millions of dollars. We're like, that's a lot of money. What happens if we reduce this to 40%? And so we did and then didn't lose any affiliates. And all of a sudden we made way more money. But without yeah. extrapolating that out for a full year, it's like we would have never had that clarity because we've been doing this for years and years and years and years, but you're just kind of in the weeds sorting problems out. And so we did the same thing with life boost. And I think it allowed us to um, be a lot smarter with our decisions in terms of how much to spend on ads, how much to focus on recurring sales. Um, when does it make sense to try to reduce cost of goods sold, all that sort of thing. 
I love that. And, and yeah, it's, it's interesting how you find areas and, and to use that example from amazing where you can reduce something by 10 points, or maybe it's only a couple of points or five points or whatever that can sometimes like double your profits, right? It can double your total profits. And so looking for those little things, but, but you're right. And we do this on the agency side as well, right? Where we've got specific targets we want to hit for our net income, right? And then if we don't hit those expectations and you want to look at why. So I love that process because if you don't, have an expectation and a goal up front, then then yeah, you're you're you'd be very tempted to say, well, this could have been worse, right? This was probably good, yeah. right? Where or maybe it wasn't. Do, any any tips on how to go through that process? Like where do you come up with some of these numbers? And I know we could we we could get too complex. I want to keep it as simple as we can, but where do you come up with some of these numbers? Are you just pulling them out of the air? Are you basing it on previous businesses? Where are you kind of coming up with these these baselines? Yeah, so I think it's like the less experienced you are in this specific business, it's the more you're kind of just guessing. Yeah. Um, so for for Life Boost, for example, the business was only doing 17 grand a month at the beginning of 2019. We put a, together a full 12 month forecast for that business. It got to be like a few months in, and we were so far above that forecast, yeah. the original forecast. But that's the point of like reforecasting. It's yes. you know you've kind of got your annual targets, and we're like, okay, we're going to blow through these. Great. But now that we have more real data, you know, say say we originally thought we were only going to be doing 50 grand a month in sales by, I don't know, halfway through the year. But instead we're doing like, you know, 200 grand a month in sales. It's like, great, you know, pat ourselves on the back. Awesome. But now that we have this information, like, what do we think we're going to do next month? We're not going to do, you know, 50 grand a month in sales, but are we going to do 300? Are we going to do 400? What are our cost of goods sold going to be? What is the resulting kind of gross profit and net profit? And then um, allows us to kind of sort out any surprises. Like, hey, what the heck is this operating expense that popped up that's like an extra $1,000? Uh, without that kind of forecast, we're kind of just like cheering throughout the year, but then we're missing all kinds of opportunities to be more efficient financially. And so I think at first it's going to be pretty much a guess. Um, and you may end up kind of completely overshooting your annual numbers, but each month you should get smarter and smarter and smarter and smarter. And so that you're, you're really dialing it in. I mean, our sales can fluctuate because there's, you know, especially last year with all the craziness going on in the world and politically and all that kind of stuff. And like with a lot of our acquisition being from Facebook ads, like it's very volatile because of all that stuff going on. Um, but we're still in general, like fairly accurate. I would say on the revenue side, plus or minus like 15%. And then on the profit awesome. side, it's like, we're definitely digging into stuff. You know, if we're, if we're off by more than like 25% on net profit after everything, then, then kind of what we expect it to be. Um, yeah. So yeah. Totally makes sense. Awesome. So that's super helpful stuff. Let's dig into the marketing side of things. You guys are fantastic at this. But what are, what are some of the, the keys to success where you've identified as keys to success that, that has enabled you guys to scale with your marketing efforts? Yeah. So I think the first one is, is picking your battles. And so I don't claim to be some uh, great person on social media or, you know, even SEO or any of that kind of stuff. It's like my main tool is direct marketing. And the best way to do it now, I think for most businesses is going to be, you know, through Facebook ads. And so we kind of picked that channel. And then at first I was running all the ads myself and we kind of had a process that we ran through that I, that I think is very replicable. It's a bit of work, but I think is will work for just about anybody if they're willing to put in the time and effort. And um, so the first step is to think about like, like what is the main hook? And I hate to use that word because it sounds, you know, people have a hard time, you know, understanding what that even means in marketing. It took me probably like eight years of doing marketing before I really wrapped my head around it. But in, it in general, sounds like a really simple concept, but it's not that easy to execute. It's almost like a like landing on a good tagline or something. Yeah. Like a tagline is only eight words, but yeah, it could take you like years to really get a good tagline. You know? Yeah. So to me, like a, a hook in general is like, what is that thing that's going to grab people that stands out that's going to make them want to buy? Um, and you may have a lot of ideas for the general angle for that in your business, because a lot of times we just kind of assume and then we run with it. And so for us, it was like, okay, is it that you know, most coffee is toxic and this one's not. That's a potential angle. We donate a portion of profits to an environmental organization. So it's like, is it the environmental sort of angle? Um, you know, we try to make it the healthiest coffee possible. And so is it that angle? Uh, is it, you know, a lot of people have stomach pain and then this coffee helps them drink it. So is it like a stomach pain or acid reflux angle? So we kind of had these guesses and I kind of remember who guessed what, but it's kind of like, okay, these are the general things that we think is going to get people to buy. And then we basically 
put those into headlines, essentially headlines and like a leading paragraph on the sales page and didn't change anything else on the page. And we used a very like direct marketing, typical, like long form sales page still to this day. That's our main sort of acquisition funnel. And, but all we did was change the headline and maybe the first like paragraph or so mm-hmm. and to tie into the headline. And so we like, we threw these angles against the wall, had like one ad for each that kind of tied in. So there wasn't a big disconnect between the ad and, and where they hit on the page. And then we started testing. And so we, that was the first thing that we tested was like, okay, what's the main angle that's going to grab people. And so we kind of figured that out. And then the next thing we tested was like, okay, you know, a big thing in direct marketing is the headline can dramatically, um, you know, improve or hurt your performance. And so we're like, okay, we got the general angle. What are like 10 different headlines that fit that angle? And so then we tested that next. Once again, didn't change anything else on the page. And so then once we figured those two pieces out, the next major thing we tested was the offer. And so the typical kind of direct marketing, you know, from supplement funnels all the way back in the day was kind of like a one, three, six. So you can buy one bottle at this price, three bottles at this price, or six bottles at this price. So we kind of replicated the same thing, one bag, three bag, six bag. And then we tested a ton of different variations. Like what if we give people the same discount on all of them? What if we give people sort of escalating discounts is what you would expect. What if we frame the discounts in dollar amounts versus percentage amounts? What if we did a two, four, eight? What if we did, you know, a bunch of different combinations? And what ended up working out best for us was kind of just, they either have to buy three or six. We don't even have a one bag option nice. on there nice. because shipping costs just kind of kills you. So we, we do three or six and we give them a 50% discount versus retail price. And so it's a huge discount. To, we, we frame it basically as like a first time customer discount, uh, but they have to buy three or six. And then we do all kinds of, you know, order bumps and upsells and that kind of thing after. And so once we really dialed in the main angle, the headline, the offer, that's when we sort of were able to scale this thing extremely quickly. So I was running all the Facebook ads at first for the first few months, but I had a friend of mine who his, his main kind of expertise is, is kind of taking you from like a hundred grand a month in spend to like 500 grand a month in spend plus. Like he's good at the scaling piece, mm-hmm. but he's very honest. Like, look, I'm just going to be kind of like costing you a bunch of money if I'm trying to get you from nothing to like picking up yeah. traction. Yeah. And so uh, he was kind of like working with me behind the scenes because um, I had run way more Facebook ads and stuff for like an information marketing business at Amazing than I ever had with e-commerce because I that was years ago and I used different channels um, and was very big on Amazon, but it's different than, than that sort of channel. So he was kind of mentoring me a little bit behind the scenes on the e-commerce side. And then as soon as we picked up the right numbers, handed it off to him and he's kind of been scaling it ever since. And, and you know, he basically scaled it from like, we were like maybe 30, 40 grand a month in spend. And now we spend, you know, 400 plus thousand dollars a month on yeah. Facebook ads. It's amazing. So I, w- I wanted to get into a few things. And then first of all, that was, that was awesome. And I love the breakdown of the, the hook, the headline, the offer. And what's interesting, you kind of, when you laid out in the beginning, you know, these, these are like all the, the potential feature slash benefits, right? It's yeah. free trade. It's low acidity. It's clean. It doesn't have, you know, all these pesticides and stuff. But what's really going to resonate? And so, you know, one of the things I think is pretty easy for, for entrepreneurs is that step, right? Here's all the benefits. But then what is going to be the hook? What do we lead with? That's, that's the really tricky part. And so yeah. kind of the way we frame it is we're building YouTube ads. We call it uh, the supporting cast versus the golden thread, right? So like all those benefits, hey, f- free trade and we and we dedicate and we donate 1% to the planet and stuff like that. It's probably your supporting cast. Like that's those are nice things that once someone is really hooked and interested, it's like, oh wow, these this is a great company. Of course I want to buy, it, but those are not the the main thing. Um and so I'm just curious were there were there some surprises along the way? Like were you surprised by what hook and or headline actually landed? Um yeah. So, so, I mean, the environmental thing just completely bombed. Yeah. It's like, as much as people say they want to like feel good about the products they buy and stuff, that's like not been our experience for this product anyways. Uh, we kind of well, have- What's like, so interesting about that is I think people, I mean, obviously nobody wants to hurt the planet, right? But we still buy for selfish reasons. Like we, yeah. you know, maybe I don't buy if, if I know a company is really harmful to the planet, but that's not the main reason people buy. Yeah, but we do use it as you call it a supporting cast. Like we have yeah. all those things on there somewhere because it's like, okay, if there's just one person who's sitting there that's like, hey, you know, they also support the environment. Okay, I'm in after everything. Right. Like then it's totally worth it. Um, one thing that has surprised me is like we've run so many different headline tests and we have not been able to beat one of the original headlines that I kind of came up with for the ad, which is like coffee almost as alkaline as water. 
And, you know, within Facebook, like if your headline's too long, then it kind of gets truncated and you can't really read it. And so it's a nice short kind of punchy headline that I think really stands out. We've tested so many things that have not been able to beat that. Um, Also on the, the creative side, what tends to work best for us is almost like just really delicious looking little video clips of like a piece of cake getting cut out of all things. One of our first early ads that just crushed it was literally just a piece of chocolate cake being kind of cut with like a fork. And it just grabs people's attention and they click. And there was like coffee next to it or something, right? No, 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 it was just just a very (laughs) close-up image of like a piece of cake getting cut. And so we run a bunch of different ads like that. And then we've run kind of more typical like before and after kind of ones of somebody who's like, you know, their stomach is hurting with a coffee and then another person is like holding it up and they're happy and stuff. Um, But yeah, a lot of those little like food tasty kind of videos have, have worked really well. Um, and yeah, I had a little bit of an advantage because I've been like writing copy for yeah 10 years or so. Um, but I mean, I don't think it was anything that crazy. I think if like you either hired a copywriter or just like, you know, picked up your copywriting one-on-one stuff. But like the good thing is, is like with an e-commerce business with a relatively low transaction value, it's like testing is so cheap as long as you stay focused. I think if you start trying to test a million different things at once or you aren't really clear on your ad channel and stuff, it's like, it's almost impossible and it's going to be way more expensive. But if you're focusing on like one channel, one ad, one landing page, then testing as long as you don't get too distracted is like relatively cheap. And so I don't think you have to be, you know, the best copywriter or creative person because I think you right. can just test so much stuff and figure out what works rather than kind of guessing. Yeah. And this really this process of getting a little bit better each time, right? Gain, gaining a couple of points of efficiency, you know, increasing your conversion rate just a little bit, increasing that AOV just a little bit. It all, it all really adds up. And, and so I'm glad that you said that because I think sometimes we're, we're looking for like one magic breakthrough. When usually that's not the way it works, right? Like test, test headlines, find the winner, test the, the offer, find the winner to, you know, tweak the landing page. Um, can you, any insights you can share kind of on your testing process or methodology? Like how do you know what to focus on for your tests and how long do you let a test run? Any, any insights there on testing? Yeah. So, um, I mean, our main Facebook ads guy would be able to talk to this, you know, way better, but it's like, I was running it with him at the early stages. And so like a few kind of tips or principles is like, one is test as cheaply as possible. Even though like we knew we wanted to scale up as really big, we were starting with, you know, the campaign structures changed a little bit over the past year with, with Facebook's, you know, campaign budget optimization and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure you could tell people about, but uh, back then we were basically running like $20 an ad set to start off with. And so super low budget, because uh, I find out, I find with most of these businesses, every business I've been involved in, the biggest nightmare at the beginning is the tracking piece. And it's like, you can spend a thousand bucks a day if you've got the budget, but it doesn't mean the tracking is going to be any more correct until you really have like beat it up and you're very confident. And so uh, starting super small helped. And we, we started off trying to use, um, you know, Google's split testing tool. But then we found like it was way easier for us to just test, do our split testing with Facebook. And so we would run like a brand new clean ad, clean ad set. And then we would have, you know, a control version with no social engagement history or just a, a clean, basically fresh one. And then say if we wanted to test five different headlines, we would have five different landing pages where the only difference was a different headline. And so then we would have five different ad sets, all with the same ad, same ad copy. The only difference is they're going to a different headline page. And that for us has been the cleanest way to test. Like we actually don't use any split testing software. Nice. And so it's kind of unique that I don't really have a lot of people talk about, but it's worked really well for us. It works so well that we just stopped looking at split testing software. And that's kind of how we test everything, um, whether it. it's an ad test or a landing page test. So it's a, it's a simple thing. And then you're only changing one variable in this case, right? It's just, just the headline, right? So ads the same in the yeah. same ad set, but different, different landing page. Whereas yeah, you're testing a whole bunch of things at once, it's kind of hard to, to know, well, was it the headline or was it the ad or was it the audience or, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and for us, it was like, I didn't want to have to spend the rest of my life running freaking Facebook ads. So it was like trying to pick up enough traction where it made sense to hand it off to an agency. Because the guy that we hired, we get a little bit of a discount because we're friends, but it's like his normal fee and it's not that far off what we pay. His normal minimum is like 10 grand a month. Yeah. And so like, you got to be doing some certain volume for that to even make sense. Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Just starting out, you can't really make the numbers work, you know, paying that kind of fee. Yeah. So my whole thing was trying to do like the, you know, the, the 20%, you know, the 80, 20, that was going to get us enough traction to where I didn't have to run Facebook ads anymore myself. Yeah. Uh, so that he can manage all that split testing stuff. And I could kind of move on to other things. Other thing that kind of surprised me is like on the landing page, we have this kind of long form, kind of ugly landing page. 
that we've tested all kinds of stuff. We try to have a nice little pretty landing page. It looks like a nice e-commerce store and stuff. And it's just like completely terrible performance. And so like, I would love to beat it because I think it would make our brand look better, but we haven't been able to beat it. And so like along the way, we also didn't really focus on the e-commerce store at all. We still don't spend a lot of time there. We spend it mainly on the acquisition channel and then the email marketing after and the subscription, but we don't spend a ton of time like optimizing our own e-commerce store because it's just one of those things like we run this business super lean, even at $2 million a month in revenue. Um, so it's like, that may be kind of an eye opener for some people who think they have to have like the prettiest, nicest looking e-commerce store that's on par with all these, you know, billion dollar direct to consumer businesses and stuff. And that's not been our experience, I guess. And, you, and you're tracking it and measuring it. And that's one of those things where, man, don't let your preferences dictate what you do. Like, like look, look at the data and, and the way you guys are scaling and growing with Facebook ads. If those are the pages that are working, then that's what you got to double down on. And and um, sounds like you're making the right choices there for sure. So that's really good. Any, any other thoughts on, on keys to scale with your marketing uh, before we transition to, to product strategy? Yeah, so... We've been able to get multiple channels to work well, but I think it all was because we had one funnel that we really dialed in the numbers. And so we had this one funnel that we focused exclusively on Facebook ads, Facebook and Instagram together, but Facebook ads. And uh, we really dialed in that thing. We knew our conversion numbers, our you know revenue per visitor, all that kind of stuff. And then we were able to take that and then use it to get a lot of other channels working very quickly. You know, started with affiliates. And so affiliates have been huge for us. You know, Charles and mainly him has a lot of personal relationships in the health space from all his past stuff. So he's got some of them to promote. I also started contacting all the sites that ranked for, you know, like best organic coffee, best low acid coffee, started contacting all of them and was like, Hey, you know, you're promoting this Amazon associates thing where you're making your like stupid 5% or whatever. I was like, we'll pay you $30 per person that buys, you know, you're going to have a lower conversion rate because we're not Amazon but it's going to make up. So you're going to make way more money. And I even made them an offer. I was like, Hey, I'll guarantee you I'll double your commissions next month from this page. If you put us there for a month, you can always swap, swap us out later. Like I'll literally guarantee you this amount of money, no matter how many sales you make. And so that was enough to get a few people to try it out. And then was able to say, I went to their competitors after that and I'll say, Hey, you know, this site is promoting us because they make way more money off of their, you know, best coffee affiliate site. And then, so it was really easy to get people to sign up after that. So if you search for any of those terms now, you'll find us listed like all over there. Like we're the number one organic coffee, number one low acid coffee, according to all these coffee affiliate sites. Um, And I used to think it kind of opened my mind because like, you know, I've been doing marketing stuff for a long time now, I feel like, but I still had something that was like, yeah, these review sites, it's people that are just super passionate about coffee. They're literally <laughs> tasting and reviewing. Blind taste testing. They're just choosing this yeah. coffee versus another. No, no freaking way. It's just yeah. somebody who took a course or something on how to do SEO, yeah. got really good at it. And then now, you know, created a, a site that basically just has all these review pages, which is 100% just engineered for Google. Yeah. Some of them ask for coffee samples. Some of them don't even care. Like they're literally right. just some guy that's his business. Usually a guy. I guess it could be a girl, but in my right, experience, right, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. but for whatever yeah, reason in the SEO space, that has always been dominated by dudes. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. uh, yeah, so they, yeah, literally just whoever can make them the most amount of money is all they really care about for the ones that I've seen. Um, but it all started with having one funnel working really well, which I think is the secret for all affiliate stuff is like, you can have relationships and you can get them to, you can beg them to promote, but they're not going to keep promoting unless they're making money. So it's like, once we have this dial at once, yeah. to get affiliates working, Google search working, you know, some more retargeting, but YouTube a little bit. We have some acquisition on Snapchat, a lot of retargeting on uh, Snapchat and Pinterest. And it's all because we had this one funnel working and then getting everything else working at the same time was all very easy at that point. Um, but that's basically been our approach to marketing and Charles manages all the email marketing stuff, but it's like pretty typical email marketing stuff for like a direct marketer. It's like, we want to manage the relationship with the customers and all that, but we're doing promotions all the time and we're probably mailing at least five times a week or so, which like somebody who does direct marketing through email is going to be like, yeah, that's kind of normal. But then other people are kind of like more typical e-commerce people are like terrified to email people too much, um, which I think is a mistake. But that's it is like a mistake. A- yeah. Yeah. You're almost certainly not emailing your, your clients, uh, customers enough. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to just highlight a couple of things. One, I love that approach of, Hey, get one funnel that's working. So one landing page, one offer, you know, that, that whole formula that's working because yeah, to your point, if you're going to get 
people to to promote your product for you. You can get them to do it once, but if it doesn't work, then they'll they'll likely never do it again. Yeah. And, and I love I love your approach uh, to SEO, right? Because a lot of people are probably thinking, "Oh man, I got to get my site to rank so that I can capitalize on organic traffic." Yeah, that's I don't, not I don't that strategy, right? Like, that. what's that? I don't have the patience for that. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's it's great. So okay, create some content, do some things. Of course, get your page looking good and structure and all that, but it's a slow game, man. Like it's, it's months and months and probably years. So why not just contact the people that are already ranking and say, Hey, I'll cut, I'll cut you a deal. And I love the fact that you, you were bold enough to say, Hey, I'll double your commissions. doesn't even matter how it works. Cause you, you knew. And, and the fact that you had a funnel that worked gave you the confidence for that. Um, and it was, it was totally worth it in the end. So you sort of, you sort of bought your SEO uh, uh, to a certain degree. And and now you're in so many more places than if you had just said, hey, I'm going to go hire an SEO firm and see if I can start to rank over time. Um, yeah, and it's like we could have spent 12 months doing SEO ourselves and maybe got the same result. Then there's this thing we have to manage. Or instead, we had literally number one rankings like all over the place in like a month, like 30 days. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the other benefit too of that is not only the consistent sales and everything, but we've taken screenshots of our number one rankings on those sites and added them as social proof. Cause we're like, Hey, yeah. we're the number one coffee on this. We're the number one coffee on this. Cause it's like a lot of people like look at those sites and they think they're like super credible, which maybe to some extent they are, but it's a, your opinion, I guess. But I'm like, hell, if they say we're the number one coffee, I'm going to let people know that. Absolutely. Like if give you an award or something. Absolutely, man. And that's just looking for all the assets that you have at your disposal, leveraging it, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and getting a little bit more uh, from each, channel each opportunity. It's, 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 it's brilliant. So that's awesome. Yeah. All right. So we'll get about, you know, 15 ish minutes, something like that left. Let's talk product for a minute because you and I had a fascinating conversation about product uh, several weeks ago when we were prepping and, you know, if you're going to get to $2 million a month in uh, sales, in e-commerce, you're probably, you probably don't have just one product, right? You probably got several products and, and a variety and stuff. So kind of, kind of walk through, how you scaled with your your product development, product launches, and and also love to cover some kind of successes and failures uh, along the way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, full transparency, like Charles manages most of the product stuff, but we make a lot of the decisions together. Um, so like we started off with, you know, our basic product, which has all the major roasts, you know, medium, dark, light, decaf, um, espresso roast. But the main ones are like medium, dark, and, and light and decaf. Those are kind of the main products that bring in probably... 70% of the sales, uh, if not 80%. And then we also have a line of flavored coffees. And so, you know, Charles has been building those out for a while. We keep adding new flavors. And then, you know, along the way, we had one kind of premium, kind of more exclusive coffee that we would do like limited batches just to have extra stuff to sell people that were already customers. Because it's like, if you just bought, you know, six bags of medium roast, because that's what you drink, it's like getting you to buy more bags of medium roast. It's like you can only physically drink so much coffee. <laughs> right, but if, yeah. like if you have a flavored you can buy or a special roast, you can buy that and maybe give some bags or something like that. It's like it works out well there. But then along the way, like any business, we're kind of like, okay, cool. Like I've done a bunch of information marketing stuff. So is Charles. He used to have his super successful weight loss product and stuff that was all information based. And we're like, you know, it'd be nice to have like a prof a product that we could sell that had zero cost of goods sold, 100% digital. So we ended up paying a guy to create like an inflammation course uh, that, you know, we paid him like a fixed fee. So then once it was created, it was ours to sell for whatever we wanted. And, you know, it just didn't really work out. It's not really what people wanted. Like they knew us as a coffee business and then we're sitting here trying to sell like an information course. And then we started talking with an investment bank because we're, we're eventually going to sell this business. And so we're talking with the investment bank and then they were kind of advising us and stuff and saying like, hey, you know, stay really focused with your product set. Otherwise, it's going to be way harder for like a potential acquirer to wrap their heads around this business. We also tried like a few supplements because, um, you know, we both sold lots of supplements yeah, in the past. Yeah, and it's, it's another recurring revenue product and, and yeah. you're selling healthy coffee. So the supplement made sense. And, and honestly, the inflammation product made sense too. It's healthy coffee. So that... It, make, it, you know, it makes sense that you tested it, but it also makes sense that it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And so then with the supplement, it was the same kind of thing. It's like we did all this work, created this product, kind of sold okay. But then we're like, this is just like a huge distraction. And it's also like really kind of diluting the brand. And it was harder for us to sell. But it's like as soon as we add like a new coffee flavor, a new like special version of coffee, then like those are so much easier to sell. And it's like I found the same. I kind of I learned the lesson quicker in this business because I already learned it very painfully and amazing which is like back in the day with amazing, we tried to go from like just teaching Amazon stuff to teaching everything in business and then like nearly killed the company. 
and then had made a few more mistakes. It took multiple mistakes to really sort of ingrain that in my head. And then so I was, but then as soon as we went back to like, okay, what else can we teach related to Amazon courses, events, you know, mastermind software, everything sells very well because that's what people are expecting. Same thing in this business. It's like, we sort of start deviating from coffee stuff. People are like, what the hell is this? But then we go back to selling more kind of coffee stuff. It's very easy. And the only kind of like slight deviation we've had from that is we've created a coffee creamer product, uh, which we both, Charles and I both, you know, we both try to be pretty healthy and stuff. We both literally put collagen creamer and MCTO, the whole kind of like bulletproof approach in our coffee. And so um, from an authenticity standpoint, and also it's very much related to the coffee experience that has gone pretty well. And we think that'll be more of a long-term product, but anything that's just sort of some random other health product is, is kind of been a waste of time for us and kind of a waste of money too. Yeah. So, so keeping it tight and focused and also being simple, you know, I think sometimes entrepreneurs were idea people, right. And we're always thinking about the next thing and the next innovation, the next breakthrough. And so that can lead us to kind of wild ideas. And sometimes that's okay, but with your product mix, like stay tight, stay focused. What do what are your, Customers expect, what do they know you as? And, and really double down there. Uh, I love the creamer idea. I think that is going to stick. And that is very, I mean, for a lot of people, the two go together, right? You can't have coffee without, without creamer. So I think that, I think that totally makes sense. Yeah. I think, it, I think it also depends on your goal with the business. So our goal has been very clear is to, to sell it. And so because that's our goal, it's like we want something that's very easy for people to wrap their heads around. A potential acquirer is like, okay, this is a coffee company that sells, you know, typical coffee stuff. Um, also, what's gone very well for us is adding K-cups, you know, um, yeah. biodegradable K-cups because we're kind of in, in line with the environmental angle. So we didn't want to just do typical like plastic K-cups. Yeah, 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 yeah. Biodegradable. Those have also gone exceptionally well. Another coffee product, big surprise, it goes very well for us versus like other stuff that didn't. And also it's just like makes it real easy for a potential acquirer to wrap their heads around this thing versus like, oh, I'm kind of buying this coffee company, but they're kind of also selling these information products and like inflammation. They also have some supplements. It's like, never mind, I'm going to get something else. It's easier to understand. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe, maybe somebody's goal is different though. Maybe their goal is like, I want to build a lifestyle brand and kind of around me as like an influencer or just try to you know produce as much profit as this thing. I don't ever really care about selling it. Maybe their answer will be a little bit different. But for us, like the outcome has been very clear. So it's that is your outcome. I think also yeah. thinking in terms of like, why would somebody actually buy this thing? And what's going to be like the easiest thing for them to understand um, is helpful too. Yeah, it totally makes sense. Yeah, what, what, what is your ultimate outcome and how do you build towards that end? Because yeah, and to, and to use a, an example, you know, look at, look at Amazon. They're always inventing like crazy businesses. You know I mean? They're, they're venture into uh, voice devices and, and, you know, a voice assistant and, and speakers that was a departure from a lot of what, what they were doing before, but you know, now it all totally makes sense and it ties together. And, and so, yeah, I think, I think that's a, a perfect clarification there it really depends on what your goals are with the business. That's going to dictate product strategy too. Um, any, any tips or insights you can provide on like, when do you add a new product? How do you get ideas for new products? Is it, is it driven by customer feedback? Is it just you and Charles like brainstorming? Where, where, where what does that process look like? Yeah. So I think as far as when is, you know, I think the whole theme for this thing for, for me has been staying as focused as possible, which like everyone talks about, but it's like, how do you actually put that into play into, into action? And so for us, it's like very focused on the marketing side. Like I know Amazon stuff better than a lot of people because I've been doing it for so long and we teach it and all that kind of stuff. I've got access to everybody on the planet. We didn't add Amazon until like four months ago. Because Can you elaborate on that a little bit? And that was actually one of my next questions was, what was your Amazon strategy? Because you were yeah. the Amazon guy, right? But behind the most successful Amazon course or most successful info product of all time, amazing selling machines. But yeah, wh why did you decide to go that route, you know, waiting before you got on Amazon? Yeah, because we knew we were going to have another channel we had to manage. And as soon as we have multiple channels to manage, we're probably not paying good enough attention to the first channel. And so for me, the channel being like the Shopify store, right? Um, another channel being Amazon. And, you know, we didn't want to have to do any of that sort of stuff and kind of take our take our focus away from the sort of main channel we were running. But then for us, it's like once we got kind of call it like 18 plus months into this and, you know, the Shopify store, we've got our Facebook ads acquisition dialed in, our subscription kind of dialed in, our email marketing dialed in. It's like, there wasn't a lot of variability happening over there. Like we could very well kind of predict what was going to happen. And we kind of, it wasn't a big load on us anymore. So at that point we're like, okay, now we're kind of ready for another channel. 
And it's like, I'm not saying like one is necessarily better than the other, but it's like, I feel like you've got to pick your battles. You know, basically we tell the same people um, the same thing on Amazon, you know, don't start trying to add another channel until that first one is super stable. And so for us, that's kind of how we made the decision to transition from Shopify and add Amazon. And we actually have an external team who manages the whole thing for us because we've kept this business as lean as possible. It's kind of like our model. It's like me and Charles are kind of full-time. We've got a full-time operations person, a bunch of customer service people that are kind of full-time, but they're contractors. Everything else is outsourced. All the ads, um, design, development, you know, managing Amazon, all that kind of stuff is outsourced, which has kind of been, been our model. And so for me, it's the same thing on the product side is when we felt like we had really tapped out the potential of our core products, like we're selling, we're, we're trying to get as many freaking customers as we possibly can and sell them our main roast. And we're trying to sell as many of these flavors and kind of other products to our current customers. It's like at that point, it kind of makes sense to start adding more products. And we feel like we fully tapped out the first ones versus like yeah. if you're just adding a whole bunch of stuff, it's a whole bunch of extra stuff you have to manage, but you're kind of leaving the low hanging fruit, which is all your current products. Right. Really, really maximize and be very, very good at your primary channel yeah. and begin to expand from there. And, and one thing too, I think in some ways it's it's harder to build a successful brand off Amazon than it is on Amazon in some ways. And Amazon is a, is a jungle, right? It's, it's tricky for sure. But I think if you can build that momentum, that brand off Amazon, then when you do launch on Amazon, you are going to have a ton of momentum. There's going to be a lot of people looking for you. You know, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. That was one of the big reasons why we jumped on there is because like, if you went and did a, a search for our brand on Amazon, there was already like a million different searches that were filling in because people were looking for it. And I was like, and we, we kind of experienced the same thing with another brand we managed for a period of time that was super heavy into direct marketing. Just being on Amazon, we immediately start making sales. Yeah, some yeah, you people immediately just get a lift. Won't buy on your store. Yeah, exactly. We saw, you know, we worked with Native Deodorant and then they uh, saw the same thing where they like built this amazing brand off Amazon and and they knew and they were, you know, getting feedback from Amazon too that as soon as they just put their product there, an immediate lift, uh, we're helping Boom, you know, Ezra and Boom by Cindy Joseph right now. We run their their Google and, and YouTube and stuff. And we're helping them now uh, on, on Amazon or get ready for Amazon and expecting the same thing. There's already a ton of people searching for Boom on Amazon right now. It's not available. So it's going to be a pretty, pretty quick win, quick and immediate win that way. So yeah, um, that's awesome. Um, any, any other thoughts on timing and, and where you get the ideas for new products? Just any, any other insights on the, on the product piece? Yeah. I mean, I wish I had more to add there. I mean, like the, the big one for us was on the K-Cup side. Um, that actually wasn't even on our radar because neither he nor I like use K-Cups at all. Yeah, yeah, um, really, yeah. He, but, but he did say, you know, because he, Charles, he likes to be very sort of tied into the customer side of the business, which I think makes sense for his position. And so literally every customer support ticket gets emailed to him, you know, in addition to the normal ticketing system where it's handled, but he just wants to see all that stuff. Yeah. Coming. And so he would say like, probably a couple times a day, somebody would be asking for K-Cups. And so eventually we're like, okay, we probably got to add this thing. And it's a bit of a hassle because you've got to find where do you get the little cup things? Who's going to put them in there? Where do you get the boxes? Who's going to ship them all out? And so it's a little bit, um, was a little bit. How can you do it environmentally friendly? Otherwise you're again, you're going against your core. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a bit of a hassle to kind of figure all that out. Now, now that we've done, it's, it's getting better. Um, but that was another thing where we were seeing the data from, from the customers. And then we are also, you know, heard about this from uh, the investment bank that we were talking to. And I think it's helpful to talk like, if, you know, kind of the whole idea of like thinking with the end in mind. Like if you, if you talk, if your goal is to sell the business, talk with somebody who sold a lot of these businesses and they may have some good ideas for you too. And we've run a lot of ideas by them. And they were like, they kept hounding us. They were like, when are you going to add cake-ups? When are you going to add cake-ups? When are you going to add cake-ups? Nice. Why do they keep making such a big deal about this? Like it can't be that big. And then so I started researching statistics and it was like, one in four coffee drinkers in America like only uses K-Cups. Is that um, right? I had no idea it was that many. Yeah. I always thought it was just like a separate thing that people kind of did, but it's kind of like almost one of those core forms of coffee. There's like people who like ground coffee. There's people who like beans coffee. And there's people who like pods. And, you know, they're all equally as kind of important. And so as soon as we added that, like the thing started selling like crazy. Some people will only use those and they don't really have to like use the little one where you put it in there yourself and stuff. It's kind of messy because we used to use that back in the day. Um, so yeah, that has been huge for us too. Yeah, that's awesome. So I love several elements of that. One, Charles getting those customer emails, right? And and yeah. I hear, and I am pretty confident it's true, Bezos used to do the same thing, right? Like he would get customer complaints. They would be sent to him because he wanted that data. He wanted that information. 
And, I mean, I do, I do the same thing at Amazing. You know, it's yeah. like we've got a lot of customers over there. And uh, but I eventually just put my email like inside of the actual course. Yep. I was like, if you ever have an issue, email me. And it's a lot of times people think that like, oh, people are just going to hound you all day long, especially with that business. Because you're like an info, info marketing kind of like celebrity, mini celebrity kind of business. Mm-hmm. But it's like most people, unless they're just crazy, like are only going to email you if there's like a real problem. And it's yeah. like, I may get a few a week in there and like thousands of people have seen that. And usually it's pretty legitimate stuff. And so yeah. I'm kind of a big fan of that strategy of like being as close as possible to the customers and literally letting them contact you directly. Being as close as you can and, and getting data as quick as you can. And that's like, don't have it filter through three levels of people before it gets to you. Just get it, get that, get that feedback. Cause sometimes it's like a really simple thing or sometimes I know in our business, like um, as an agency, reporting is an, an issue, right? Like how do we show the results that we're getting for our clients? And and I remember like early on some things that people just kept having issues with. And I'm like, man, that seemed obvious to me, but now I see that it's not obvious. And so we fixed it, you know, it added more visualization and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, or in this case where I would, I would have been in the same boat as you and Charles, like I, I, I hang out with kind of coffee snobs at times. Like I, I like fresh coffee and I've got a nice Bonavita coffee maker and a nice grinder. It's like K-cups, no way, man. I'm not using a K-cup, but listen to the customer. And if they're, if it's, you know, 25 or 30% of people use a K-cup, you better offer it. Like that's yeah. a no brainer. But if you're not listening to the customer and then also people with experience like your investment bankers and stuff, uh, really good. Yeah. And I think, you know, um, cause we've had some products that have worked, some products that have not worked. It's like, I think that as long as you're maximizing the sales of the products that you already have and with the new products you roll out, like you try to reduce risk as much as possible. And that is one smart thing we did on some of the supplement products is we found a way to like barely order any or get the supplier to actually kind of fund the inventory and stuff. Then I think it's, you know, way less risky to add and test more products. Um, And we've kind of used that to, to be able to scale up like pretty quickly without like huge financial risk. Yep. Small calculated risks. Then you find winners, you double down, you go all in on, yeah. On those that are winning. So that that's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic stuff, man. This has been a ton of fun. This is a perfect compliment. Uh, go back and listen to the episode where Matt and I talk about high-level decision-making and kind of Matt's process there. But this was tactical, practical, really, really good insights. Appreciate it very much. Uh, Matt, how can people find out more about you? So if, if someone's wanting to enhance their Amazon game, uh, talk a little bit about amazing.com and your events and products and stuff. And then we'll talk co- coffee in a second too. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So I finally have created like a personal brand kind of website. That's like a hub for kind of nice. everything. So uh, everything Matt Clark has taken. So I did mattaclark.com. Middle name is Alexander. So mattaclark.com. You can have links to social. I've got a few blog posts I've been putting there that are the best advice I can possibly give on how to make money, how to keep money, time management, building a team is awesome. so far kind of what's on there. So it'd be cool to check those out. Um, if you're interested in e-commerce stuff, building an e-commerce business, you know, we've got amazing.com. You know, we've got our main program, which kind of teaches you how to go from scratch, which is amazing selling machine that you'll find a link to on there. We've got other kind of free training. We've got some stuff for existing sellers. If you want to scale sales on Amazon and kind of our main wheelhouse at amazing right now it's very Amazon centric. So we've got a, you know, we've done a, a course with Ezra actually, that was basically how to go from Amazon to Shopify, but still kind of assumes your main thing is Amazon. Um, so we're probably, you're probably better off going to Ezra at this point, by the way, if you want to learn Shopify stuff, like yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. that stuff covered. So ours is more Amazon centric. Um, but yeah, check us out if you're interested in any of that stuff. Awesome. Then you also have an amazing event, uh, SellerCon, which is annual, which just happened. And I got to speak there. Thank you for that. Uh, is that are recordings and stuff still available from that, or was that was that live only? Uh, yeah, we do have recordings. They should be available for sale by now. Um, but yeah, if you hit up amazing.com, if you don't see them on there, then definitely just email our support team, and we can kind of get you a link. But I'm not 100 sure if we put those up yet because it takes a little bit to get them. But yeah, we do have our event that we we typically do annual, which is SellerCon, which is I would say you know, 70% Amazon, like how do you sell more on Amazon? What products do you sell on Amazon? Then maybe 30% more like general e-commerce and, and business. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great event. I got to participate in a little bit. I got to meet other speakers, got to see kind of behind the, the scenes. And of course, this year was virtual, so it was interesting, but uh, great event. So highly, highly recommend that. Uh, and then now let's talk coffee. So man, I, I do enjoy coffee. I'm sure as people are listening to this, they're like, man, I got to go brew a cup. I got to go make some. Uh, talk about Life Boost. So where can, where can we find uh, Life Boost Coffee? Yeah, so definitely hit up uh, lifeboostcoffee.com. And for all the marketers out there, I can give you like a little bit of a hack. Is like if you just look up 
and Facebook ad library. If you look up Life Boost Coffee and Facebook ad library, you're going to find our ads there and you're going to find our 50% off page and stuff. And we do some cookie things on there. So maybe it's like people, some people who don't really know what they're doing, can't buy multiple times and stuff. So if you want a discount, you can definitely go over there. Or if you just shoot me a message, DM on Instagram or something like that, I can, I can hook you up also. Uh, but yeah, just check out lifeboostcoffee.com. Sweet. I'm really glad you mentioned that resource. That's one I don't mention on the podcast enough, but the the Facebook ad library, it's like go and find all of the, the you know, the top advertisers, find some of their best ads. So look at what LifeBoost is doing on, on Facebook. And then I also recommend go to their site, sign up for their, their emails, right? Get those emails. Even if you put them in a folder and only review them from time to time, like get, get those emails, see what they're doing. Uh, we learn a lot by observing smart marketers. Yeah, so. yeah, you can definitely sign up for our email list, like wherever you find it on the site. And, you know, we're not crazy. It's like if you unsubscribe, like you're done. It's not like we're somehow like taking your email and then like spamming you from multiple <laughs> places. It's literally like if you unsubscribe, you no longer get emails. So it's definitely a great place to check them out. You'll see all the emails that Charles primarily writes himself, but we have some copywriters. But I mean, it's, it's what we do. That's how we sell a lot of coffee. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Really good stuff. So awesome. Matt. Thanks, man. You crushed it. That was, an, that was an amazing interview. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Brett. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. And so with that, uh, thank you for tuning in. We'd love to hear your feedback. Let us know what you'd like to hear more of, what you'd like to hear less of. Any feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear it. And hey, if you feel so inclined, we'd love that five-star review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show. And with that, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.